The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. Eight shows a week. That should be that should be our motto. No days off. Eight days a week. There's, there's, like, there's seven days in a week there, Will. That's it's kind of confusing. We It's like Spinal Tap. You've seen Spinal Tap? Have you seen Spinal Tap, Brady Quinn? No. You've never seen Spinal I, Tap? I think I've had a Spinal Tap. I, I've never seen Spinal Tap. Ryan, you're of the age of someone who – and the, the comedic – stylings of someone who would have seen Spinal Tap, right? Christopher Guest. Yeah, I saw it a long time ago, but yes, I've seen it. So he has the amplifiers and he turns them. He's like, they're like, it's like a mockumentary thing. And he's like, he's like, so what's the deal with these special amplifiers? He goes, these go to 11. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, see, there's 10, but when you really want to rock out, you go to 11. He's like, well, why don't you just make 10 louder? He's like, no, these are 11. We go to eight, baby. Maybe you prefer something about Mary's eight minute abs, six, six. Damn it, this went poorly. Uh, this is a Brady Quinn football show. Pow, 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 pow. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. Keep the questions coming on the five-star reviews. We got some great questions about, like, specific to Brady. And Brady's awesome about answering them. Uh, last week he gave a, uh, I didn't really listen, but it sounded like emotional or like, uh, nice about the, the history between Notre Dame and, and Navy. So that was cool. Uh, and then Ryan said something about Pete Prisco. Yada, yada, yada. We'll answer the questions. So leave them. In all seriousness, People are leaving great reviews. We really appreciate it. Let's get down to business. The MVP. Oh, man. For the first time in his young career, Lamar Jackson, the dynamic quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, is favored to win the MVP award. Should he be the favorite, Ryan Wilson? Yeah, I've been voting him number one in our weekly MVP ballot uh for three weeks now i believe and it's um you know usually it's been russell before that and russell has russell wilson has certainly played at a really high level but here's my barometer for measuring mvp candidates i'm a steelers homer i've always been a steelers homer uh as you know brinson i went to college with mike tomlin and <laughs> i despise the ravens and that's just sort of how it goes with these division rivalries and i'm at the point in the, my lamar jackson love affair that i cannot wait to watch the ravens i cannot wait to see what lamar jackson's going to do and he does not disappoint Every week it's something different, usually with his legs, and that could be a point of contention when you come down to this vote, and whether it's him or Russell Wilson right now, because Russell does everything well. He's not running this often, but he's certainly a much better patch at this point. But without Lamar Jackson on that team, I don't know where the Ravens are going to be, and he is so incredibly fun to watch. He's getting better as a passer, and I don't know what would have to happen in terms of the hiccups, and assuming he stays healthy, and let's hope he does, 
where he would not be the front runner to win this six or seven weeks from now. So I think you can make arguments about both Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson, which these odds must have just changed because earlier today we were talking about these two and they were at even odds or even money. So um, one, this statistical argument, if you look at both of these quarterbacks, Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, and combine their total yards and total passing touchdowns, Wilson has the slight edge as far as total touchdowns to interceptions or turnovers in this case. And I, th- I believe Lamar Jackson has a slight edge as far as total yards when you add it all up. So it's kind of a wash. And then it comes down to the next question. Okay, which quarterback do you feel like is more tantalizing, right? Has made those wow plays or those quote-unquote Heisman moments. And that's definitely Lamar Jackson. I think that's what this has been about. Look, let's be honest. The Baltimore Ravens are this year's version of the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes won the MVP last year, put up a ton of production. We kept saying to ourselves, when this is going to stop? When is this going to stop? And it never really did until they lost in the AFC Championship game because of a coin toss uh, in, in overtime to the New England Patriots. So, uh, maybe, you know, maybe this ends up playing out very similar based on how the AFC playoff picture looks where you could very well get New England and Baltimore playing off for the AFC championship game, uh, depending on seeding. But that's what this reminds me of. And I think Lamar Jackson's made a bunch of those wow plays this year, um, that, you know, granted, I think he's had a little bit easier schedule so far in comparison to what Russell Wilson's dealing with right now in Seattle, just because that NFC West division is so much tougher. Uh, but you still got to give Lamar Jackson credit. I think one just for his growth from year one to year two and just how much I think he's even exceeded my expectations of how much he's improved as a passer. Uh, but also, uh, the, the way he's, you know, kind of done it. I mean, just every single week, as Ryan talked about, there's a play that you're saying, I gotta go back and see that highlight. I have to go back. It's much watch TV when Lamar Jackson's playing. All that being said, I do foresee Russell Wilson in the end. Winning this reward, this, this award. I just, I don't know that Lamar Jackson is going to be able to maintain this, but as I said before, I thought the same thing about the Chiefs and I was wrong about them last year. Okay. I think that's interesting that you said that because like, and look, I, I'm not questioning your football IQ or your approach to an analysis, but I know that it is, look, it's easy when you are steadfast in this. It's like last year you didn't like the Bears and you kept questioning the Bears. Now it turns out over the long haul, Brady, you were right because the Bears created this year and maybe last year was a fluke, but they have the Rams 49ers and those are two tough matchups coming up. Uh, the Rams on Monday night football next week, but then Bills, Jets, Browns, Steelers. I'm just not sure that the schedule is there to derail this opportunity for Lamar Jackson. I will say that if Russell Wilson drags the Seahawks, to a one or a two seed and a division title that MVP voters, you know, if he puts on a huge show in primetime games on these island games down the stretch and he has more of them, uh, well, I guess Lamar has two and Russell has two. Did you they, hear what I said wrong? Did you, did you think that I said Lamar had a more difficult schedule? No, I didn't. No, I'm saying he hasn't. I'm saying that Lamar has the lead. Like, I don't think he's going to cough up the lead. Like, I mean, oh. well, no, no, no. It's hard to sustain what he's doing because he's doing it a different way than Mahomes did last year, right? Mahomes plays are largely by time, scramble, make plays down the field. Lamar's running. Like there's still a legitimate chance he could get hurt at any point in time down the stretch. There's still a chance that, I mean, look, they lost to the Browns at home. I mean, as much as we want to like award him for what he's done the entire season and his tired body of work, 
there's still a few games where you're going, what was that? And I'm not saying Russell Wilson hasn't had those moments, but if anyone is able to replicate a couple defensive performances that does kind of stymie their offensive attack, or if just any team jumps out on this team, which the, the Browns did in that game, it kind of eliminates his ability and what he does running as much or the effectiveness of it, and it really puts a lot more pressure on him to be able to play from the pocket and do so effectively. I'll point out that in 2017, uh, Carson Wentz was neck and neck with Tom Brady, sort of running away. Those are the only two candidates. No one else would hear anybody else. Um, and Carson Wentz suffered an injury and tore his ACL on December 10th. Um, hey, what was he doing when he was, when he tore his ACL? Did he tear that in the pocket? How'd that happen? I was running. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with your stance. Like if Lamar Jackson gets hurt and misses the last four games of the season, if the Ravens go 0-4, maybe you could see somebody give it to him. There's enough good candidates here where I think you would have somebody quickly fill the void. Throw, let's throw those odds back up here real quick because I'm curious about value on this list, uh, what, what both of you guys think. Um, if you were going to bet on somebody, who would you take? Rogers. Hmm. Uh, and I should also note Dak Prescott 20-1, to Christian McCaffrey 30-1, to Jimmy G 30-1, to Kirk Cousins 40-1. to uh, Would Rogers be your pick, Brady, and why? Rodgers. I mean, I think statistically he's going to have an argument when it's all said and done. Their team's going to continue to win even though they've got a tough division with as good as Minnesota is this year. Um, so I, I just, I think we look, we've, we've seen him play outstanding before. I think this offense at times has looked really good and what, and you see what they're capable of. So he's the one as far as the value that I think you could very easily make a case for him putting up some ridiculous stats down the stretch just because we, we've seen it before from him. Uh, Brenton, I'm going with Rain Prescott, Dak Prescott. I don't remember his full name, but I know Rain is in there somewhere. Um, look, he's balling out. And if you look at the football outsiders, it's not Patrick Mahomes, it's not Aaron Rodgers, it's not even Russell Wilson that's first in terms of the advanced metrics. It's Dak Prescott in terms of total value, what his value is compared to all the other quarterbacks and obviously his value to the, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys without Dak, Dak Prescott may not have a win right now. Slight exaggeration, but he is that important to that team. Obviously, Zeke's important. Obviously, Amari Cooper's important, but it starts with Dak. And we haven't really been talking about him. This was the first week in my MVP ballot that I put Dak on there, had him third behind Lamar and Russ. And he could continue to move up. Now, the Cowboys aren't nearly as good as the Seahawks or the Ravens, and they have a tough game, I think, this week against the Patriots is who they're playing. And if they get blown out in that game, it's sort of the Deshaun Watson conversation that we had last week with Baltimore and Houston. But he has done so much for that team, and I feel like if he had a better coach – if Jason Garrett's headset, if he wasn't just standing there not talking to his headset and he had more involvement in the play calling and was better at it, it could even be better for Dak Prescott, which is sort of hard to get your head around given how well he's played so far. Uh, I'll say this too about Dak Prescott. Like the thing with Lamar Jackson and what's so impressive to me about how the Ravens handled bringing him in is that they used a combination of football knowledge and analytics to build an ecosystem around Lamar Jackson that's allowed him to thrive. And look, Ozzie Newsom plucked Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, uh, Orlando Brown in his last draft as GM. Nice work, Ozzie. You're pretty, you're pretty good at your job. Should be a two, a double dip Hall of Famer in my opinion. But Eric DaCosta, uh, stepped right in. The pretty seamless transition. And they looked at players like Mark Ingram, who runs really well on a shotgun. Justice Hill, who they drafted, signed Ingram in free agency. Had Gus Edwards on there. They got guys who complement what Lamar Jackson does. They get Miles Boykin. Uh, they get Marquise Brown, some quick twitch athletes they put in there. I think they've done an 
incredible job of building around him and creating this ecosystem that allows him to flourish. Conversely, the Cowboys continue to employ Jason Garrett and like the, you know, the, the Seahawks let Brian Schottenheimer run 75 times a game where like it, it feels that's the one thing for me that I constantly come back to is while Lamar Jackson is probably the MVP right now, he's getting everybody in the boat is rowing in the same direction. And it feels like Dak and Russ are like swimming upstream based on what they have around them. So that would be my one argument there. Um, the other thing I'd point out to you too, by the way, guys, the Dallas Cowboys, after playing the Lions this week on I think one o'clock game on Fox, I believe it was, uh, they're going to be in prime time for the next five weeks. They are going to have some version of primetime, whether it's Flex to Sunday night, whether it's Fox's America's Game of the Week, whether it's against the Bills on CBS on Thanksgiving. Make sure and tune in 4.30 p.m. after your turkey nap. Um, they're going to be on Fox on Thursday night against the against the Bears one week. They're going to be all over your freaking television. There's a chance that Dak Prescott could use that with a big finish to the season as a launching pad along with sort of a bubbling up uh, you know, in recent days and weeks about his, his candidacy, uh, to try and make a run at the MVP race. So I just, I, I think or, that, or it could work against them, right? Yeah. Like it could go one of two ways. Cause that's one thing we do know about the MVP race. You could make a very legitimate argument for Christian McCaffrey. However, this tends to be a quarterback award, but if he gets the 2,500 total yards from scrimmage, I mean, it's, it, it'd be historical and putting him up against some of the all time greats. However, I don't think any of us feel like the Panthers are going to be a team that's in the mix for the playoffs or have a winning record. And so he'll get eliminated in that regard. And I think that's the concern, at least I have with the Cowboys is outside of Dak, which look, he's played phenomenal this year. If, if, if he doesn't win MVP, if nothing more, he has earned the contract that he is going to get after the season. And he's been the only consistent piece on that offense the entire year. Someone asked me the other day, like, why wouldn't the Cowboys potentially be able to make a run to the Super Bowl? I said, Honestly, outside of Dak, like I, I would look at their running game, it's inconsistent. Their protection at times, especially when there's injuries, inconsistent. Their defense, you can't trust on the road when they're when they're potentially going to have to go on the road in order to you know be able to get some wins in the playoffs. You can't trust that. I mean, it's just this whole entire team, and it's hard to point to anything else other than as Ryan alluded to, you know, Jason Garrett, you know, being the head coach, the situation there. Uh, it seems like unless they do something that. I don't think it's conceivable for them this year, and that's winning a Super Bowl. Uh, and more likely than not, Jason Garrett won't be back. And you kind of hate saying that about someone uh, who is currently employed, but that's just the only thing that I can come up with why this team has struggled to play up to their their potential. It's it's got to be the coach staff. It's got to be the Jason Garrett, the position he's putting him in. I know we're getting off the MVP conversation, but if things start to go sideways, you know, it, it's largely going to hurt Dak Prescott's candidacy for the MVP. No, you're 100% right. And look, it's the, it's the, the yin and the yang of these schedules, right? Like if the Cowboys rip off six wins and they finish 12 and four and they dominate the division and they're knocking on the door for the, for the one or the two seed, which is probably unlikely at this point with 12 wins because Niners at nine and one. Um, if they did that, like did they beat the Patriots this week in New England? I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you got a pretty big win on your resume, and hey, look, Brady, I hate to break it to you, but the uh, Patriots don't look that great so far. What do you think about uh, – what's the biggest concern for the Patriots right now? Because they've been bad. Tom Brady gave a bunch of uh, – he sounded like um, – I'm trying to think what he said. He sounded like a disgruntled teenager being questioned, like, where were you last night? I don't know. He sounded like Will, Will Brinson when you don't get fed and you're hungry. That's exactly what he sounded like. Or, or when you had a few too many toughies. 
I mean, that's 24 seven. So I don't know what, um, anyway, Tom Brady was disgruntled. He's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're like, you're nine and one, bro. Cheer up. Um, the offense wasn't good. He got battered around. He got knocked around. Um, talked about frustration with offense. The strength of our team is our defense and special teams. So an offense, we just had, this is his W E E I interview recently. Uh, we just have to take advantage when we get opportunities, understand where our strengths lie and try to play to them, not giving short fields, not turning the ball over. Try to take advantage when we get into the red area and score touchdowns. That's kind of where our offense is, and that's kind of where our team is. That's depressing from the guy who once broke every single record on the planet in 2007. What What is going wrong with the Patriots? Why is this going south on offense? Uh, this offense is like a, a Tesla, okay, like a Tesla trying to go on a long road trip. Um, do you know why that doesn't work? Cause you gotta stop all the time at these charging stations, right? You gotta kinda, you know, figure out your precise route, and then you gotta book in how much time it's gonna take to go to these supercharging stations, and then eventually, eventually you get to your destination. That's what the offense is. Like, they can't create big plays. The receivers on the outside can't create separation. When they need more time up front, the offensive line struggles to block. They can struggle to have a consistent running game. So all these things I'm sure are extremely frustrating because they're all things that they've been able to figure out or they've been able to uh, adapt to and overcome. And I think the one thing, too, that I look at this team that concerns me moving forward is, you know, they, they really pride themselves off making in-game adjustments and being able to be out in front of their opponent in that regard. Defensively, obviously, they can do that. However, when we see them run into a buzzsaw like the Baltimore Ravens offense and they just can't figure out a way of making adjustments. Like, for example, first quarter didn't go well for for New England in that first quarter versus Baltimore. Then they started to settle in the second quarter. Then in the second half, Baltimore made some adjustments. Third quarter again, New England kind of struggled to, to stay in, then they kind of settled in again. And, and so it just – when you unfortunately are the New England Patriots who pride yourself off of always executing, always doing your job, and always being able to have that, that other adjustment that you make in-game to be the difference – it becomes hard then when you don't have that ability anymore because you really can't adapt offensively. And that's what they're struggling with. Uh, you know, they could use someone like Antonio Brown on the outside, who's obviously made his, his social media public apology to Mr. Kraft because they don't have anyone else that can really separate. Mohamed Sanu's a big target, can't really separate. Nikhil Harry, the rookie, played this past week. Uh, can't, can't separate. He can make a contested catch. He's got a big catch radius. I think he's got some high upside, but Again, they don't have that dynamic element to this offense. And I think for that reason, because they've got to make all these stops to kind of hook up and charge up at the station, really these long, methodical drives, these short, intermediate passes, because they've got to do that, it puts more pressure on Tom Brady and and all the other parts to be able to execute more often throughout the course of a game to have these eight, nine, ten-play drives for touchdowns as opposed to four, five, and six like we see from some other offenses. So if you're watching this show on YouTube and we do the Brady Quinn football show and we do the picks show on Friday for YouTube, um, you can go to youtube.com slash CBS sports and check out, click on the videos thing up top and then look for the pick six logo. You would see this caption that I don't know why I find this so funny, but like Brady Quinn is talking and underneath it is the caption is like, why is Brady frustrated with the Pats offense? Like, I don't know why it makes me laugh at the idea that you're frustrated with the Pats. I mean, it's, it's obviously Tom Brady. Um, like, so Ryan question for you. Is Brady washed up? He well, I will say this. He's I see not what Will's trying to do as, there. I see what Will's he's not trying to do. Washed up no, notice, notice he's trying to get back at me because we made fun of him all last week and how we were like, "Oh, you're a company man." The boss came in and said, "Get your hair cut," and you're like, "Yeah." If you came in, if you said jump, I'd say how high. 
And then you later admitted that you lied to everyone on this podcast. Yeah. You actually didn't get your hair cut. You just had to put some product in there or what have you. I'm not sure what the product you were referring to that was in your hair, but I'm not going to dive into that. And now you're trying to come out now and tell us that you had put, you know, you got a haircut. You actually cleaned up. Now, I can't wait to go tell Port after we're done with this and just rat you out how you didn't get that haircut that he had demanded that you get before you're on TV again. I, as I, as I said earlier to you off camera, I got a haircut when I was asked to get a haircut. I don't know what you're talking about. If you have a recording of me saying that, maybe that'd be great. Then I guess somebody could believe you. Uh, otherwise you just sound like sort of a narc. You sound exactly like Charlie Day. You look like Charlie Day right now. That's what you've turned <laughs> into. Hey, hey Brady. Yeah. Uh, two two things. Uh, one, the super friends are convinced that what's on top of Brinson's head isn't actually a hairpiece. Like he goes to great lengths to hide it, and we see him. You know, he disappears for weeks at a time during the summer for these long vacations, quote unquote, and he comes back with a full head of hair. Number two, I'm with you in terms of making fun of of Will Brinson when he gets on your nerves because he can be annoying. But oh this is gosh. what I found out in recent weeks with the with the implosion of Philip Rivers. You look forward to crushing him on the podcast about how terrible Philip Rivers has played. And five minutes into that conversation, Brinson's on the border uh, a borderline crying. He's like throwing a temper tantrum like a little seven year old. Sean Wagner McGuff described him as a as a petulant, a petulant child. And you actually start to feel bad for him. So no, I never feel bad for Will. He's lived too much of a privileged life, Ryan. Hey, uh, can we just go back and talk about that game for a second? What happened there to your NC State alum buddy? What, what, what happens to all the interceptions? Seven the past two weeks? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say this is what happened is they get down and it's like, like I said on the podcast previously, it's like a drunk dad playing Madden. He just starts trying to like force the ball down. <laughs> I mean, it's like, ah, screw it. I'm down eight. I'm going to chunk it deep, run the, run the deep out. Yeah, that's a gun right there. Um, I don't know. Like he just, they, they panic and they start, whatever they did in the first half worked great outside of the red zone execution. And then when the Chiefs started to score points, I think that they panicked. I think there's a sense of, uh, Chargers, his Chargers career slipping away. You know, the rest of his, like his might be his last games in, uh, in a Chargers uniform. Who knows? Um, and I think there's some panic from Phillip. I think there's some panic from the offensive coaching staff and they start to try to force the ball downfield the entire second half with passes and it ends up with incompletions and double coverage interceptions and it's tough, man. Uh, I'm, I'm sure all that was going through their, their, their heads, right? When they're calling plays, trying to figure out the situations. They're like, is this Phillip's last, last year with us? Is this really what they're thinking about? I wonder what all the NC, that Wolf Pack, the NC State Wolf Pack will be thinking if this is the last game he hung it up and all that. I'm, I'm sure uh, that look, was what was going through their head. Uh, definitely. They're down, they're down eight. They were never down more than eight points in the second half. Like, or maybe they're down nine and they went for two. Whatever, I mean, whatever the point is, like, why didn't you use what worked throughout the game in the first half to get you to where you were? I mean, they, they abandoned their game plan is all I'm saying. He's not was, having a good year. It, 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 that's the bottom line. And granted, he has that help. Hasn't been running game, offensive line. We're getting way off target or, or onto another tangent, which is a status quo oh, for the show. NFL, we're talking about an NFL football game. Who cares? You're, we're talking about quarterback. You're a quarterback. Well, I, I want to hear what Ryan had to say before, you know, you so rudely just want to take shots just because we seem to use you as a punching bag on the show. What the hell is happening here? You literally asked me what happened in the game. <laughs> that was only because I heard you guys talking about it on a previous Pick 6 podcast. I did have to chime in just to try to throw a few more jabs at you. You listen to the show. No, no, no. I saw it on social media. Oh, you saw me too. And I really listened for Ryan's parts and like his insight on it. I didn't listen for anything you said. Well, Ryan, you. what did you think about the game? 
I, I mean, look, he played terribly. I, I know you were trying to make excuses for why he played terribly. The offensive line is doo-doo, as we like to say, but Phillip Rivers has not played this poorly probably since junior high school. And I just can't envision a situation where they're going to bring him back. His contract's up. We know about that. And as long as we're off tangent, Brady, I would ask you this, because John Breach and I were talking about this, John Breach who lives in Nashville. I feel like right now, if I'm the Tennessee Titans, I would rather have Ryan Tannehill next year than Phillip Rivers, given the way he's played. Maybe that's a bridge too far. I know it is for, for Brinson. I don't know if you feel that way, because I don't know where he's going to go and magically help a team, given how poorly he's playing right now. I wonder if he's going to help him, you know, groom that, that next quarterback coming in, right? Like, is he going to do like an Eli Manning? Well, let's say they take a, a first round quarterback. Would, would he be, you know, the type of guy that would want to help him along? I mean, Eli's obviously handled himself extremely well with Daniel Jones. And when they made that draft pick, we knew the writing was on the wall. Uh, so it's just only a matter of time. And that's where, unfortunately, this is going, right? They're, they're both in the same draft class. Maybe this ends up happening to him a year later if they want to extend him. But I think, to the question you're asking, I mean, Ryan Tannehill's under a much better, econo- a much more economical deal. And so I think it depends on that number, too, you're going to be signing him back for. Not that you're making a long-term commitment anyway, but um, there's a couple different things to gauge. I mean, Phillip Rivers has like 28 kids. So you know, is he going to want to hang around the facility, you know, an extended period of time to help that rookie in those hours where the quarterback coach is up there game planning with the rest of the offensive staff? I, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's where there's, there's a lot of value of having him there. You know, if one, you can watch everything he's doing, but once that rookie takes over, like him getting help from that, that veteran, that older, you know, presence and quarterback, that's in, invaluable. And obviously if he's not there because he's heading back down to San Diego to be with his family, it's a different story. Well, just for what it's worth, both guys are free agents next year. So they would both have the same yeah. deal. Like you would have to tag him if you're well, tag sign him. I mean, well, I don't think you have to tag Tannenhill, right? I mean, is that where the Tennessee Titans are really going to go? I put the franchise tag on, on Tannenhill? I mean, the only way to restrict him from not going somewhere, to guarantee that he cannot go somewhere else, is to tag him. I, I do sure, think that, but that's a lot no. of money considering what he's doing. I, I mean, you could also be, come to an agreement before then, and, he, and he, look, he might show, you know, he might show some favor to Tennessee instead of going out there trying to move on, go somewhere else. Say, look, I like it here. You guys, you know, took a chance on me when obviously, you know, other teams didn't. So, yeah, uh, I think no, it was no, a no. two-year deal. I thought there was only a two-year deal. It was only one. Yeah, it's, uh, he signed when he, he had, um, maybe, I can't remember what it was. He signed a one year new deal with the Titans when he got traded. Cause that was part of the trade. I'm they restructured at, it. They restructured it and they, and they voided his last year. I think that, I think that sounds right. Cause I remember he had, he had another year left, but yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause he had two years left when they traded for him, but That's they were right. like, look, I don't want to pay you nine, you know, nine million dollars to be a backup this year. We're going to, you know, restructure it and then you can hit free agency. Maybe you get to play. Um, so yeah, that, Look, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Teddy Bridgewater does the same thing in New Orleans. I think anything is on the table for Phillip Rivers. I think this could go. I don't think he wants to walk away from football, but I don't know that the Chargers are going to tag him. Okay. Or the better chance. All right, Phillip Rivers comes back as a Charger next year, or he has another kid in the next eighteen months. Well, I mean, the kid thing is like ninety-eight percent. So. <laughs> yeah. He's, They're not tagging him. There's no way the Chargers are tagging him. He's got worse protection at home than he does at the. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, look at Will. Look at Will. I see you, frat boy. I see you. Fr- you get all fratty on us. You need an old school three bar. That's what you need right now. I am wearing my. Uh, I am wearing my little vest here. Um, yeah, the, yeah uh, with a t-shirt, which doesn't make any sense. Like, like what your 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 chest is cool, but your arms aren't. Like your arms are hot. Like you're a confused man, Will. 
yes, that that goes without saying. But I'm not wearing a t-shirt. It's a it is short sleeve. It's not a t-shirt. That's on point. It's a, it's a short sleeve shirt very, with a, a vest. It's a very weird uh, combination. That's yeah, not a weird combination. It's just It's kind of weird. It's a weird weather situation outside where it's cold, but it's not quite cold. So you need a vest. Didn't want it. it's a it's a whole thing. Um. Anyway, let's uh let's take a break, and when we come back, maybe we could talk about. A quarterback who could replace Philip Rivers that the Chargers could get in the draft. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Time for a little draft talk. It's my favorite part of the podcast throughout the entire week. Not just because I learned something new from Brady Quinn, who moonlights in his spare time as a college football analyst, uh, but also because Ryan Wilson, our draft analyst, on the show and because I can pretty much check out. I can say something about Ryan's mock, blah, 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 who's new. And then I can stare off into the void for a little while and think about how Philip Rivers' career is ending without a Super Bowl. Um, see, now, now I do feel bad for him, Ryan. You're right. See, like now, now I do feel bad. Like the way he said that, he's like, I pictured little Will, little Willie Brinson and kind of with his like ball cap in his hand and just kind of looking down with a tear in her coming out of his eye. So you're right. And now I feel bad about him. It happened, it happened on the Monday night recap show, which comes out Tuesday morning, the one that you listen to. Uh, you can subscribe, rate, and review to that podcast on Apple Podcasts, by the way. And, um, unfortunately it wasn't on video because I like, I, I like literally had said something and I just kind of got sullen and Ryan and Breach and they're talking about Kaepernick or something like that. And I like, I mean, I checked out and I was like staring off like over at something in my, my they thought I'd fall asleep. <laughs> he fell, he <laughs> so, fell asleep. No, I swear, I swear to God, I didn't fall asleep. But they, 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 I like, I look up and all of a sudden they're all like giggling. I was like, what's going on, guys? They're like, you were asleep. Like, yeah. Hey, sidebar, um, just cause we're, I'm thinking about other things to compare Philip Rivers coming back next year or Rob Gronkowski. Mm. Which do you think there's a better chance of? Curious to get that. Cause we know he's, you know, now throwing a party in South Beach for the Super Bowl. But do you think he's done playing football or is Philip Rivers done with the Chargers? Uh, done. But let me ask this question real, real quick, Brenton. How do you, how, how's he going to gain all that weight back, Rob Gronkowski? Cause he's probably lost 20 pounds, maybe, maybe more than that. Cause he looks pretty like 275 though. I mean, 250 is not that light for a tight end, especially one that maybe he wants to split out more. You know, and I'm sure he could put five, 10 back on if you wanted. I sort of got the, like watching the commercial or the little YouTube clip or whatever he did for the, for the party. Which was like Gronk sitting on the couch hanging out and then there's a 
uh, uh, you know, like an angel and a devil type of thing. The, the angel is wearing a football uniform. The devil's like in a tank top. Like, let's party, bro. Bikini, sandals. We got drinks, cocktails. Let's rock. And the football guy's like, no, you got to go for a championship. Um, I got the sense that he was sort of mocking the idea of coming back and playing football. You know, like he, like he, like he wouldn't, have, like it wasn't like, it wasn't just like, Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Gronk. Let's party. It was like, I'm not going back to football. I'm making fun of this guy for saying I should. Uh, I, I kind of feel like it was maybe a peek into his mind, which is a scary thing. Um, but also, you know, playing up, you know, what this is. And he, and he also in this announcement didn't rule out that he's necessarily done with football. Look, he could easily pull a Jason Witten. Okay. And I understand Jason Witten probably didn't try to lose as much weight just to get into a broadcast booth. Maybe he did. Um, but he went out for a year, decided to come back in and Gronk's way younger. I know he's dealt yeah. with a lot of injuries. However, I think a year off, maybe he gets refreshed. I mean, he could party like this for the rest of his life if he wants. Um, so there's only so many opportunities you get to one play with Tom Brady and two in this era for the New England Patriots where there's, they're making runs for Super Bowls every year. Like that's not going to last forever. And it's obviously going to probably end sooner rather than later. So I don't know why you wouldn't try to seize that opportunity after this year if he truly does want to come back and play. Okay, so I have a two-part question that neither the second of which neither of you is really qualified to answer, and you'll probably be annoyed that I asked it. One, um, if you're Gronk, why would you wait until next year, knowing that Tom Brady might not come back because he's not guaranteed to come back, and, and and because you also have a shot to win this year. And two, uh, you know, look, waivers run in fantasy leagues tonight. Would you snatch up Gronk in a dynasty league for free, which he will be, and hold him for next year? I would not. Okay. So you don't think he's coming back? It's not so much that. I just think that's a pretty big risk to take, especially. <laughs> you have a ton of spots in a dynasty league, so it's not a big deal. Well, okay. You're saying it's not a big deal, but you never know. It's not like, um, it, to me, it, it just wouldn't be worth that sort of risk in a competitive scenario. But like, I guess I'll put it this way. If he never came back, I would be, uh, shocked. I wouldn't be surprised. Does that make sense? Like, I, I, I think there's like a, a more likely than not, he is done, but I still think there's a small percentage chance that I'm holding on to that he does come back because I do think it'd be fun to have him back in the league. But again, I, I wouldn't want to risk it in a competitive scenario, especially for something for fantasy football. Okay. That's a great answer, Brady. Good job. Ryan, uh, he, Brady bailed you out on having to answer a fantasy question. Yeah, Let's, I was uh, really nervous when it, when, it, when it turns to fantasy. Thank you, Brady. Yeah. Look at, look at Ryan. He looks, he looks like really nervous right now. He's like, He's like Googling dynasty draft. Oh yeah. You're not even um, joking. Yeah. You know who, but you know who might, but even with Gronk gone and maybe Brady's gone, the Patriots can have to find a quarterback somewhere. Um, let's get, and I, I find it fascinating. The idea that Tua Tagovailoa. Tong, so Tong, Tonga, Tonga Vailoa. Tonga Vailoa. All right. Now I'm good. Now that I got that Tonga Vailoa, I won't mispronounce it again. Tua Tonga Vailoa. Thank you, Brady. Great work by you. You should go into you should go into academics. Be a teacher. Be a great teacher. No, I bet you're a great dad. Uh, what happens with Tua? <laughs> no, I'm not able to put my kids down to bed tonight. So uh, yeah, you get your kids down at 7 p.m. Good for you. Oh yeah, we we sleep train them. Um, Tua Tungvialo. Tua Tua is we shouldn't laugh. Tua is multiple surgeries, including a hip process. What do you think is going to happen here, Brady? What, A, what is his recovery timeline, if you have any idea about that? B, do you think that this will impact his draft status? 
and see, do you see him? Because I didn't see him in the first round of Ryan's newest mock draft, which I was surprised by. Right. I, actually, I was going to have Ryan address that first, um, and then I'll kind of piggyback off him because we've already talked about this a little bit earlier today. But uh, I'm, I'm, I want to hear Ryan speak first again, and then I'll kind of piggyback off it. So yeah, you're right, Brenton. He had the surgery Tua did on Monday. They flew him to Houston, incidentally, uh, from Alabama, where Alabama has a lot of great orthopedic surgeons. But he was in Houston, had the procedure procedure done there. Excuse me. And all the reviews are glowing coming out of there. And Prisco actually made this point when he and Brady and I spoke on HQ that every surgery is successful until the rubber meets the road, so to speak. So we'll find out what this means. We don't know when he's expected to come back. Adam Schefter reported, I think, uh, that uh, in March he'll be able to throw the football and he'll be on his feet. But what does that mean long term? We don't know. Uh, like I said, the surgery was successful. They put his uh, hip socket back in. They did the surgery to replace the, the fractured uh, part of his hip. Um, so I don't know. So not, not knowing anything, I, I didn't have him in this latest mock draft just because, and Brady knows this better than anyone, because I'm sure you were poked and prodded throughout the whole draft process, Brady. The only thing or the very top of the list of, of things that teams care about are the medicals. And if you can't walk, then you're not going to get drafted. And if there's a concern that you're only going to be able to play two years before arthritis sets in, that's a concern. I'm not going to take you first overall and invest tens and possibly hundreds of millions of dollars in you. So I don't know right now what's going to happen with Tua. No one knows. Hopefully the prognosis is excellent, like the doctors have been saying. But until we see something, and this is what Pete was hitting at on HQ, we sort of have to reserve our judgment. Fantastic talent. Amazing. He's had a fantastic year. But right now, I just don't know where I would take him if I were an NFL team having to take him. Yeah, we kind of threw around the idea, well, he still has a year left of eligibility, but then it's like, all right, well, what's the point of, of coming back, right, to potentially put yourself at risk for another year? Maybe it's to prove to people that you are healthy and you're fine, but you know, then the other thing is you're putting yourself in, in, in comparison to a Trevor Lawrence. Um, and so the, the timing of the recovery to this injury, I don't necessarily know. I mean, a lot of people compare it to the Bo Jackson injury. Obviously, that ended his football career. I think the difference between the two is they were able to address the concern right away and then find the best uh, process for him moving forward post-surgery, whereas you know Bo Jackson played to an extent with the injury that ended up you know ultimately uh, causing his demise. So I think there's a good chance that he will be able to uh, recover from this. I just don't know in what time frame that's it, it's going to it's going to be to allow any any scout, any general manager, any head coach to then see him and know that he's going to be the same player that they saw on film because he was phenomenal uh, during his time at Alabama if he is indeed playing, done playing for Alabama. And I do think he would have challenged Joe Burrow to be the first quarterback taken in this year's draft class or Justin Herbert for that matter, uh, even though Ryan and I don't have him necessarily going as the first quarterback in, in next year's draft class. But he definitely would have challenged him because he's a unique talent. He's got a very quick release. He's very good at moving around the pocket to make plays. Uh, I think the the best comp is probably Russell Wilson uh, as far as the height, um, the, the ability. The release isn't quite the same, uh, but he reminds me more of that. I heard someone the other day compared to Drew Brees. I don't necessarily see that being the case uh, only because, you know, one, the throwing motion is a little bit different. I mean, two is lightning quick. And I also don't think Drew Brees moves quite as well as Tua does. I mean, he's very elusive and kind of creative, like we used to see from Russell Wilson a lot more. And still now, but just definitely a lot more as he transitioned into the league. So uh, it's a big question mark, and it's a tough spot for Ryan to be in. Let me, let me tell you, Ryan Wilson's in a tough spot right now because he's got to come out with these mock drafts. And as I said to him earlier today on HQ, 
what what a jerk. What a jerk. Guy gets injured, now he doesn't put him in first round. Unbelievable. I mean, can you imagine that, Will? The jerk that Ryan Wilson has to be. I'm, I'm sure that Tua Tonga-Vailoa family seeing Ryan Wilson's mock draft, and now they're saying, look at this, look at this guy. He gets hurt and all of a sudden doesn't believe in Tua anymore. So what a, what a position for you to be in, Ryan. Uh, you know what I heard happened, Brady? I heard Tua came out of surgery in the room in the hospital. They had, instead of wallpaper, they had plastered Ryan Wilson's mock draft. They printed it out and plastered it all over there and to remind him motivation. And so like in, every day for the next six months, Tua is going to wake up and think Ryan Wilson. And he's just going to start like cranking like iron and working out and trying to rehab. And he's going to come for you, Ryan. When he's drafting the first round, you're going to be the first names out of his mouth when he, when he walks on that stage. He's going to say, F you, Ryan Wilson and <laughs> F your mock draft from whatever day in November, November 19th, 2019. F you, buddy. Um, that probably won't happen. Yeah, uh, how do you feel I, about that, Ryan? How, how about them apples, huh? Yeah. You like apples? How do you like them apples? Yeah. I love Tua. <laughs> I, 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 but I don't oh, want to. I, I am, I am curious. I know you don't hate Tua. Nobody thinks you hate Tua. Um, I am curious. Did you consider sending Tua to a team like, well, first of all, the Dolphins who you had drafted at 25, right? Cause they maybe get Tua at a discount, uh, or perhaps, Maybe not the Saints, but like the Patriots or the yeah, Chargers. The only, only team were the Patriots at, at the very bottom there. But I, I didn't do it. I just wanted to hold off this week to see if we found out more. But so this really screws things up for the Dolphins because at number four, where I've typically had Tua going, they, he can't go there now. Just not until we know that the situation. So, um, and Brady and Pete sort of talked about this, and they seemed okay with it. The, the, the Dolphins just stock up on offensive linemen basically in the first round. I also had him taking an edge rusher, Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. But they don't get their franchise quarterback, and then what do you do next year? You roll with Josh Rosen. Um, I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick's on a one or two year deal. Do you bring him back? And the the tanking sort of has to continue, or their version of tanking, which is to win three or four games. It looks like. So that's the concern. And yeah, you hit on it. The Chargers need a quarterback. The Buccaneers need a quarterback. You mentioned Tom Brady. What do the Patriots do? Would the Patriots be willing to stock, you know, pull like a Jalen Smith, basically that uh, the Cowboys did with Jalen Smith, and draft him and just have a redshirt year if if Tua does in fact come out? So there are a lot of questions. We're not going to know the answer to these questions. I would imagine for months, maybe something happens sooner, but that would seem a little premature. But who knows? Yeah, the Miami situation is the most interesting to me because uh, P and I had talked about it, but look. Drafts are always, uh, short on offensive linemen. And if you look at the best teams in the NFL right now, they probably have a really good offensive line. And the teams that stink don't. And so teams are more likely to overdraft offensive linemen, in particular in the first round. I think now more than ever. And so I think you're going to see, you know, teams really start to make a run on some of these guys that they value and feel like could really be day one starters. Uh, I'd have some of those first round grades on or even second round grades, but they feel like it might be slim pickings if there starts to be on the run on some of the other guys that they valued higher. So some to keep an eye on moving forward. But if you're looking at the Dolphins and how they want to build this team, What's wrong with getting a couple offensive linemen in the first round, solidify that front, maybe get an edge rusher too to help out the defense, then guess who's waiting on the other side in 2021? Trevor Lawrence, baby! He could come in with his rocket ship for an arm, and probably the best prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. Um, and so that could be potentially waiting on the other side. It's just like, can you really get through another season of what we saw seen this year? I know they won a couple games, went on a little winning streak. Maybe they'll win one or two more, but... Uh, you know, what are you selling? Like, what are you selling for the 2020 season to get you through that 2021 draft? 
Um, is it tanking for Trevor now, right? Is, is that more of the mantra that we're going by? Either way, uh, there, there's some validity to it, to, to what Ryan's talking about, positioning yourself to be in position to take uh, that sort of player, that caliber of a player, at least at the quarterback position. Because the concern I have with this this draft class is – I don't know that you're you're going and really feeling overly confident about any of these guys. Even if Tua hadn't gotten hurt, I still think you probably have some reservations about his ability to play behind a bad offensive line because his offensive line's been good throughout his career and he's got supreme talent on the outside. Joe Burrow, is he at his ceiling? I mean, what made him so good this year versus last year? Is it the culmination of things? Is it Joe Brady, his passing game coordinator? You know, the wide receivers continuing to grow and mature and step up. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire and the balance that he provides. I mean, there's a lot of questions to what's made him go from being a 56, 57 percent completion percentage passer to now it's almost 80 percent and touchdowns have already doubled. He's already surpassed that and setting every record book in LSU's passing or, you know, uh, you know, passing, you know, record in their entire offense in their history. So, you know, there's a lot of questions as to why that's happened this year for Joe Burrow. And if he goes to a really bad team, will he be able to uplift everyone like Lamar Jackson can, you know, like we're seeing from him so far, you know, Herbert, you know, he's, he's raw. He's got all the physical talent and ability that you're looking for, but is he going to be able to be the refined passer that he needs to be in a system that's going to be drastically different than what he's being asked to run at Oregon right now? All those things are yet to be seen. So I think you got a lot of question marks about this year's draft class, even though I do feel like there's a fair amount of, um, you know, talented players and guys who could develop into starters. All right. Good draft talk. Good draft talk. I, I think, I really do think it's fascinating. I, I think the Tua thing is, like, we don't know how he's going to recover. I would anticipate that he probably is recovered in time for the actual draft itself. And it's going to have a, you know, it's going to have a wide ranging impact on what the Dolphins do. But I'm with Brady. Get three studs in the first round of three blue chip guys. Come back and get Lawrence the next year. Can, can we talk about the other guy, by the way, that drew some criticism from one Pete Prisco? He didn't like yeah. CeeDee Lamb as the, uh, number three overall player taken, which, Ryan, I, I try to defend you, man. I, I feel like I appreciate he that. could potentially be the first wide receiver taken. Although, like, I, I get it. Everyone's trying to protect their best interests for their future. I'm not exactly sure why he missed last week's game, um, yeah. versus Baylor. That kind of concerns me a little bit about his character. Uh, and, and look, he's done enough in his career to prove that he can be one of the best wide receivers in this year's draft. But it, it's still, you'd like to see him want to be out there with his teammates on the road in a tough environment and a tough game. They said it was a medical issue. Maybe we'll find out more about it. But I feel like that medical issue might have came when he saw Tua get hurt and he thought, ah, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm okay. Maybe I'm going to go ahead and sit out, um, you know, th- this, the rest of the season or, you know, the next few weeks before we figure out where we're at if they're playing for the national championship. Well, the Why, weird thing for me about C- oh, just quickly, Brenton. The weird thing for me about CD Lamb in that Baylor game is that the first half he had his uniform on. He wasn't going to play, but he had his shoulder pads on. And then he comes out in the second half and he's what wearing are you a smiling. Civvy. He looked like everything was fine. Like it really didn't make much sense. I, I would think if you had to sit out of the game, you'd be pretty upset one way or another. Pretty frustrating for anyone who hypothetically hammered Oklahoma, uh, only to see their top offensive weapon not play. But be in a situation where Wi-Fi was so bad that they couldn't get it back the other way on Baylor. Pretty frustrating indeed, CD. Pretty frustrating. I don't know anyone who would do something like that. I mean, you know, it just it seems total jackass that would wear short sleeve shirts with a vest. Um, <laughs> we just gonna do our. We got one five star review, and then we'll let Brady go see his family for once. Um, 
my, my, my wife's texting me. She's like, what do you mean the video is still going on? I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Brady was late. Uh, this is from the mighty Quinn on Apple podcast. I wonder if it's a question for Ryan. Uh, always love listening to this daily NFL podcast on my daily commute. That's why we started it for the commuters, but it's for the gym folks, the gym rats, the grinders, anybody who likes great football talk every morning. How did Brady Quinn decide to do the EAS Myoplex endorsement? Those ads always made me and my college buddies laugh. Did teammates give him a lot of crap about the ads as Baker Mayfield should be getting? How many, if any, old coaches or teammates sang the mighty Quinn by Manfred Mann to him? Keep up the great work on the pod. P.S. Brand new is awesome. Uh, Ryan, Br- Ryan Broneal is actually the one who, uh, who wrote this that story. That can't be a real name. Is it, I mean, who's ever heard of Broneal? Probably not. It's probably Ryan O'Neill. He's probably from Cleveland. Uh, by the way, I mean, I don't, I'm guessing we don't have the, the clip of it, but like Ryan earlier today, when we started, I said, I'm done. That's the line from the commercial, Ryan. It's, it's and, actually now I'm done. Now I'm, yeah, it's now yeah. I'm done. And there's no, I haven't this, seen the commercial. There's also this great, um, if you, I mean, obviously Brady's seen it, but like back in the day when Brady and Derek Anderson, I didn't even, I didn't even remember this. This is so long ago. I, there was like a, a thing about that you were like you and Derek Anderson were competing for the job and there's a thing about like apparently somebody accused you of like giving the defense the signals or something I that's I was there's a clip of Jim Rome is burning show from ESPN where he's talking about that and he's like he's like of course this isn't true he's like Brady and Derek Anderson are sitting there laughing about it or something like that and then he's like now I'm done there's a great Jim Rome now I'm done clip so um if you do, I don't, by the I, way, I, I didn't realize like Jim Rome is the smallest dude. Like I, I never realized, like I saw him in person. I was like, Oh, cause he's got this booming voice. I just didn't, I didn't picture him to look like what he looks like. I just, I don't know. It was, I, that was my first impression. Jim Rome. I was like, Oh, I thought he'd be like this big, like hunky guy. And then I was like, Oh, it's just, he's, he's not as big as I thought he'd be. In fact, he's pretty small. Have you never seen him on TV? Like he's not. Well, no, this is like way back when after when I first met him. This is like over a decade ago. I just, I remember at that point in time, you'd always hear him on like radio or whatnot. And I just remember thinking like, man, that guy's voice, like he's, sounds like a big dude. And then you see him, you're like, oh, that's not the case. But, um, no, it was just, it was just surprising. Uh, so the ad. All right. Hold on, so, hold on, hold on, hold on, before you do the ad, do you remember the, the, I don't remember the controversy. So I'm, like, I, 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 they're honestly like, I don't remember anything of that sort ever. So I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, I'll I'll Google it, but um, yeah, yeah, you can send it to me. I have no idea. I'm not I'm not accusing you of this for the record. No, no, I I understand. I just, but this is what sometimes happens when you like go down the wormhole of the internet. You read on like a blog post or something that someone had got back then when, and just because Jim Rome's talking about it doesn't mean it's legitimate, right? Like we were all talking 24 hours ago about the the potential of Rob Gronkowski coming back and playing football when he just then announced that he's a part, he's hosting a, a freaking Super Bowl party. Like that's where this world is now. Like that's news. Okay. I found it really quickly. We'll break this down. I'm, I'm really filibustering while they try and get the ad up and Debo yeah. will let me get it up. Uh, this is dead spin. Eight August twelfth, two thousand nine. Okay, can we just stop right there? You're really gonna read something from Deadspin? The first Isn't Deadspin up? dead? Is that still around? It is dead. But if yeah. you spin it back to two thousand nine, it was not dead. Right. Uh, a decade ago. The uh headline is Brady Quinn Derek Anderson feud gets catty. Yeah, like I don't I never I didn't know there was a feud between you and Derek Anderson for the record. So There wasn't. Uh, yeah. You guys are both listed as number one on the depth chart. 
Uh, do you, is this, I don't want to make you mad. You know, it's, I know we're late. I don't, I'm dead serious. I don't want to make you mad by going into this. We don't want to, I'm just, just double checking. John Clayton half-heartedly reported that Quinn and Anderson were quarterbacking opposite teams in an inter-squad scrimmage on Sunday when Anderson's helmet radio went on the fritz. Anderson was forced to use hand signals to call plays, signals which Quinn is obviously familiar with. So Anderson claims that Quinn instructed his defense on how to interpret the signals, rendering Anderson quite ineffective. Diabolical. First off, I love how it starts off half-heartedly. And then it goes on from there. Uh, I don't recall that. Don't recall ever doing that. And actually, one of the things, like Eric Mangini and I never really saw eye to eye during my time there because that was um, his first year there as a head coach. One of the things he did, though, that I, I did respect about him, but I do feel like it actually plagued us offensively, was every single thing we did from a competition standpoint was split evenly. Like it couldn't have been any more even from how he handled the reps, how he like with the ones, the twos, and everything else he did. And they would break it down, and every week we'd go over it, and like every day we'd have like different grades and stuff. So, um, I, I that was one of the things. Like I, I, I remember after thinking like, this is not something that I feel like prepared either Derek or I for the beginning of the season. But if you wanted to do like a quarterback competition, like you couldn't have been any more fair than how he handled all that. So, um, I don't recall anything of that sort. Uh, it's a dead spin article, um, so I, I'll well, leave it at that. But of course, you would read it. Uh, which is again, uh, vintage Will Brinson. So there's not yeah. a ton of internet content left over from 2009. Thankfully, I'm sure Brian, Ryan, I'm sure I know Ryan wrote things about you. I'm, you know, we, you know, I'm glad. Look, I'm sure I know I wrote flowery, kind things about you. So I'm glad that the, uh, look, I realize people have to do their job and all that. I just always feel like when you're like on a credible, like network and website and everything else and you reference Deadspin, then it takes it to a whole other realm. That's like I talking did. about TMZ. Like TMZ is legitimate. I found, in fact, it's funny. I found a I found a different one. It's uh, but it's a first pro football talk. It's one of the links from Deadspin. Yo, LFT. Oh no, sorry, PFT. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, this is written, funnily enough, by Greg Rosenthal, um, who uh, who used to work there back in two thousand nine. Um, look, it's all a bunch of hogwash. I think we're establishing that. So did I feel I, the, the best thing is like, I didn't, I wasn't even aware of it. Like this is what 10 years later. I've never even heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Debo, do we, uh, we can't get it to play anyway. Uh, the EAS, my Aplex ad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the ad EAS was originally like, if you remember the Broncos when they went back to back Super Bowls. So all those guys were in like EAS hats and all that. It was originally based out in Denver and then Abbott labs, which was like a part of like Ross products or something like that which was based in Columbus, Ohio, ended up buying it. And so they had EAS. At the time, I was coming out of Notre Dame. It made a lot of sense because I'm from the Columbus area. So they had approached me about doing a marketing deal. It seemed to be like the right fit for what they were looking for. Uh, but it was me and a number of other players that were kind of a part of that initial wave. And so the, they, they did this commercial. So I tore my PCL in the Sugar Bowl, um, like in the first quarter, second quarter of the Sugar Bowl that year. And so we end up inking this deal probably like a month after. And they're like, hey, we want to get this commercial out. We want to get it out as soon as possible, you know, before the draft and all that stuff, or just so it can be ready as soon as possible. And so I'm like, okay, I'm uh, like, what does that mean? I really co- still couldn't run. And they basically had me run on like this treadmill. It was just, it was like a tread running. They had turned on, but it didn't have any arms or anything. And so like kind of on like one and a half legs, I had to like, 
kind of time it up and start running to like mimic like the running in the commercial and all this different stuff they have me doing. But I just remember thinking to myself, if I injured myself before the draft, even worse or something else happened from this, just from doing this stupid shoot, like how bad would that look? Um, but yeah, the, the funny thing was like the AS thing actually did well for sales. And the, and like the best part of the entire thing was everyone remembers now I'm done. And so it actually was a good marketing campaign for them. But, um, yeah. And then, oh, did guys give me a hard time? Honestly, like guys really can't say much because when you're getting paid a good amount for doing these sorts of deals, they kind of understand it comes with a territory. So it can look cheesy, it can look bad, but then they're like, yeah, but then, you know, look what, look what's out in the parking lot or, you know, whatever else. They kind of, there's not really much they can say from that because they do the exact same thing if they were in your shoes. Yeah, a hundred percent. What did you drive as a rookie? Uh, I had an endorsement deal. So, uh, back then, back when gas prices were low initially early on, um, I, I had a, a deal with Hummer. So I had, I got to yeah. lease out, <laughs> I got to lease out two, two H2s and then, and so they gave me two and I gave one to my parents and then obviously I kept the other nice. one to drive around. So I love the idea of rookie Brady Quinn rolling. <laughs> Cause look, don't, I'm not, look, 2009. H2s were cool. H2, like, you were. No, I mean, no, that was like at the end. So that was a, it was either like a two or three year deal. So this is how this ended. So back when like the market crashed, gas prices got bad, right? GM made the decision. They were like, yeah, we're not going to make these anymore because no one's going to buy gas when it's five or six bucks a gallon. And they, so we get a call. It was going into like, I don't know. It was, I think it was going into the second or third year of the deal. And my marketing agent is like, yeah, um, Things aren't going well. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to eventually take back uh, the the Hummers. Like they've got to kind of you know consolidate and then probably liquidate and whatever else comes along with that. And so eventually, I had to call my parents. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna have to get you guys some different a, a different car because uh, they've they've got to take back the uh, the H twos." So it, it was it was a sad day because honestly, to this day, that was the most comfortable driver's seat I've ever been in. It was like it was like sitting in a, like a big truck. It was set up high. You felt protected. It was just really cushy and cozy. And I just remember thinking like that was the greatest driver's seat, most comfortable car I'd ever been in. Uh, and it was kind of cool at the time, even though it cost a thousand dollars just to fill up the gas tank. Yeah, um, that's like so. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, sure. What'd you drive in high school, and what'd you drive in college? <laughs> so high school, I shared a car with my sister. Uh, I think oh, nice. we had like a, a Grand Dam or something like that, but she more or less would drop me off and pick me up or whatever because I was always in sports. So I uh, really didn't have much. My first year of college didn't have a car, and then my parents found this this two-door Ford Explorer Sport that was quite possibly the biggest danger to me not ever making it to the NFL, okay? <laughs> this thing wouldn't open from the driver's side door. Uh, I constantly had to park so I could just put it into drive because for whatever reason, the transmission wouldn't work when I put it into reverse. There'd be at times we just, I just couldn't back out. It would literally like, I don't have a slip to gear or what. I'm not a, you know, engine head or anything. So I really didn't know the ad, one of those like post factory, um, you know, CD player kind of things and all that. And it wasn't like attached into the center console. And so if you broke hard, the whole thing would just fall out into like the middle where the cup holder and everything was. Um, what else? Oh, so my, uh, my high school sweetheart who went to Miami, Ohio, I used to go down and I drive down to Oxford, Ohio, uh, where the, where the campus is. It's like a four hour drive. There's like a lot of back roads, like desolate areas of Ohio slash Indiana you drive through. 
Well, every once in a while, like, it would sound like I'd be on the highway driving like 65, 70. Really didn't push it in this thing. And that thing would sound like it was like an airplane taking off. It would start to rev up. And every time I, I'd kind of sit there and grab the wheel thinking like, all right, something's going to blow up or the car is just going to stop or something's going to happen. Nothing ever came from it. Like, I don't know what that was. Um, but that car, like, I mean, even for example, like it's a two door Ford Explorer Sport. So it had the back seat, but even the seat, like the, the knob to actually like bend the seat forward and push it forward had broken off. And so people just kind of crawled through the passenger seat, like into the back seat if they did. Uh, but it was that, that was my baby, man. That was, uh, that was what I drove from my sophomore year on until I ended up getting the, um, the, the Hummer deal. And then that was like my next car, which was, which is pretty cool. That is, that is pretty cool. It was a um, step but, up as far as reliability. I'll put it that way. <laughs> By the way, just to clear things up, because I feel this is important. I think that, and this may shock you, Brady. I think the media may have misinterpreted what John Clayton wrote in his 2009 column. Reading it now, I think that it was more like you were instructed to tell the defenders to make life harder for Anderson in the practice. Not that you were like stealing the signals and giving them along. Um, but I want to read and we'll get out on this. This is from John Clayton's 2009 camp tour to Cleveland. He says, years of weightlifting have made Quinn one of the most ripped quarterbacks in the league. His forearms are masses of swelling muscles and his upper body looks more like a linebackers. Weird. That's a little. It's, 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 I mean, I don't know if he saw me shirtless or something. It's just an odd thing to say. His forearms are, are glistening. It's like, like, what is that? You know what, you know what the funny thing about that year is, so they assign weights, right, for all positions, and then you get fined based on, you know, whatever it is per pound. I think back then in the CBA, it was like $471 per pound or something like that. And I remember they made my weight at like 225, and I, at the combat, I think I weighed it at 232 or 233. And I was like naturally about that. Like I really, I then I played probably around 2:30, and I remember our strength coach was saying like that's like too light for you. But I don't know if Mangini just did it to be a jerk or if you know that was more like the New England way. Like they wanted to push everyone, like in everything they did. And so I just remember by the end of that season, I think I weighed like 221 or 220. Like I was feeble and I like couldn't eat, I couldn't lift or really work out. Like all I could do is kind of run around and do yoga and stretch and stuff just just to stay under that weight and i just got so weak by the end of that season even though i got, I got an injury at the end of it so it really didn't matter but um i just i've never i always remember like thinking back on that how like that was that was such a weird year the whole thing the way everything worked out mm. good stories good question ryan on the cars great talk great podcast let's all go see our families and uh and, and maybe they'll forgive us for running late that's okay it's always fun to talk to you, Brady. Ryan, great stuff as always. We'll be back next week with some more Brady Quinn football shows. Subscribe, rate, and review. Check us out on YouTube. See you tomorrow. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.